You're listening to the Utah Man Podcast. For fans, by fans. Your number one Utah Utes podcast. Now your hosts, Cameron, Ryan, and Scott. Welcome on into the Utah Man Podcast. I'm Cameron. We got Ryan. Hey, Ute Nation. And Scott. How we doing? We're doing great. We're hanging out at the one of the greatest hotels in downtown Salt Lake, Double Tree Suites, 110 West, 600 South. We're hanging out in the lobby. We got a crowd I'm in the here. pool. I wish I was in the swimming <laughs> pool. I got an indoor pool. I'm in the fountain. Well, this is a, a <laughs> pond's better for you. <laughs> Great hotel. We're out in the atrium. A big crowd's here hanging out. Woo! Yeah! Yeah! Woo! A big week for the Utes. They get a bowl win. A-Rod <laughs> is <laughs> not picked up when the c- contract expired. He we was all, fired. He was fired. We all talked about it. We didn't think there was going to be a change, but there is. We didn't think there and, would be. We all hoped there would be. <laughs> And I'm sure everyone's heard by now, Coach Troy Taylor from Eastern Washington gets picked up. I am excited about this pick. Yeah, me too. Well, it's gr- it's gr- it's a great move because it's different. It's something we haven't seen in this program. We haven't seen this under Wit. He's not the type of coach that has been brought in with, with the background, with his credentials. Um, you know, I think what su- excites me um, the most is what he's done with quarterbacks. And the focus, just in the interviews that he's had so far, um, the focus that he has on quarterbacks and how his system is developed and designed to help make sure the quarterback is successful. And uh, you've seen, I mean, he's got a history of working with young quarterbacks, being able to work both in the spread, in more of a pro set, different types of quarterbacks. I think this is... The, the more I've learned about him, the more I've heard from him. This is sounding like a home run hire. All right. Well, you know, we'll talk more, a little bit more about that hire and, and Coach Taylor. But Utah did get a victory in the bowl game. It wasn't pretty. It was a lot <laughs> closer. And that's, and that's why we have Troy Taylor. <laughs> I think it's a lot closer than anyone really predicted. Once again, my 40-point prediction failed me. <laughs> We need to score points, and I think honestly that's where Winningham's decisions coming at coming from is. You look at the teams that had we should be putting points on SUU, Oregon, Indiana. We couldn't put points on the board against them. Well, it's because the the, the further we get into to each season, it's it's easy for these defensive coordinators to figure out a Rod's play calling. For all of us, well, the three of us, well, I'll speak for myself. You two can speak for yourself. What about the crowd around <laughs> us? What do they think? I, I'll i fully admit, I when it comes to X's and O's in football, I don't know that much. Well, no, but, I mean... But, but when you sit there and watch the play calling, the same play, play after play after play, when you get... When you have coaches who know what they're doing, they can figure out how to stop that easily. Well, and that's what we've seen. We've seen the offense fall apart. You know, every year there's a trend. The quarterback actually starts off the season, whether it's Travis Wilson, Troy uh, Williams this year. Um, they start off the season, they play pretty well, and they just they just fall off a cliff halfway through the season. And, and you saw that again this year, and that's a trend that you just – 
if you want to be successful in the Pac-12, you can't do it. And, you know, I think Whittingham is finally, I think he's been a little stubborn, probably wanting to, to do things his way and run uh, the offense, um, you know, maybe a little more control style. And I think he's, and he's seen from all the, uh, the Pac-12 schools the dynamic offenses and high-octane high offenses and what they're able to do and, and the pressure that puts on their defense. And uh, so I, I really like the move. I think this is uh, a good change for the program, you know, that's going to, I think, take some, take some pressure off the defense. They have been, for the last decade, required to win game in and game out because they've had so much pressure on them. They've been put in so many tough situations where they've had to continually bail out the offense. And hopefully, as Troy Taylor has said many times, he's here to score points, and he wants to score as many points as he can. So um, in doing so, this could be this could be a good match made in, in Salt Lake. Not in we, heaven. We will not be sleepless in Salt Lake. So you're talking about the defense always having to win the game for the last decade decade or so. We saw that come back to bite us this year in the Oregon game. It was obvious. Well, and, and Dan Finn so eloquently <laughs> pointed that out on Twitter last night. Well, that's not where I was going, but you're right. <laughs> but if you look just strictly at that Oregon game, the offense couldn't do anything, which still boggles my mind that we were unable to move well, the ball against that defense. They did score too early. Thank you, A-Rod. <laughs> However, the defense did give up fourth a bunch of touchdowns in the fourth quarter. No, they and, did. And that's, but but here's yeah. the deal. You're gonna your defense is not gonna play lights out week in and week out. And that's okay, the point no, I'm trying to make. I can think it's, they can play lights out, but they're not gonna be able to hold teams in the Pac twelve to zero points. No. They're not gonna be able to hold I mean, teams under 14 points our week defense, in and week out. Our defense held everybody under their average all year long, including Oregon. Now, yes, it was a horrible finish, but it would help if the offense could have done their job for the first three quarters. Mm-hmm. So when that that pressure is not on the defense week in and week out. Well, and if you even look at it last season, we couldn't score against UCLA to win the division. Yeah, we kicked three, three field goals, goals on our home turf. And I know the big fun thing to do right now with local media is blame Whittingham saying that he didn't give A-Rod enough options or enough time to establish his offense. I don't agree with that at all. He's been, so he's, he's been in this position for two years now, but he's had this position before, and he's been with this program for, what, 10 or 12 years? He's had his opportunity to put his mark on this team, and he hasn't done it. Well, and that's the—I think—that's the big thing that people are missing when they when they say that. And I'm not saying I'm happy he lost his job. That's never a good thing to say about anybody. But there isn't progression, and to me, that screams that there needs to be a change. Some years you're up, some years you're down. That's college football, but you gotta at least show progress in areas i mean i think it's important to know the impact that a-rod had on this program he 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 has been a phenomenal recruiter a huge recruiter and you know who pretty average wide out coach quarterback coach and play caller 
but he he has done a lot for the program, and that's you know that's appreciated. And uh, but at the end of the day, it is a results driven job, just like any job is. But you know, this is definitely a high profile. But with that, you got to be able to produce. He's he's been at Utah twelve years. He's had two different stints as the offensive coordinator and play caller. He's had his opportunities. So to say to say that it's unfair to say that uh, um, you know it was it was a bad move by Winningham, I think it's just people that aren't clearly paying attention, um, and they're just going with the the easy response, the easy rumors that are flying out there. Because at the end of the day, he's had his opportunities, and as you as you commented, Cam, there hasn't been that improve that that enough improvement. Um, offensively, last year in 2015, we were top five in the country in red zone efficiency. This year, complete opposite. We were, uh, I believe, third to last in the country, 116th place. So, I mean, th- those are drastic changes. In my opinion on that, where the difference is, and this isn't a slight on Troy Williams, it's more of a compliment to Travis Wilson. He... He, how many times did he convert with his feet? Oh, to get the extra yardage to keep the keep the drive going. Well, well, Travis Wilson tweeted after last game, "Can I be? Can I get eligibility to come back and be the red zone quarterback? Because he was money in the red zone. Sure, say what you want. Say what you want about his throwing ability, his effectiveness passing the ball. He struggled at times, but he was dynamic. He was a great decision maker with the read option." He knew when and to when, keep it. He knew when to hand it off. Well, and when the plays, when the play broke down, which to some extent probably broke down more than it needed to, but when it broke down, he had the ability to get where he needed to get. When he wasn't afraid to put his no, head down he and and break his face off to get that first down. Well, and let's not forget, we had a starting NFL running back in the backfield. Last well, guess year, what? We, the we we had one in Troy or in uh, Joe, Williams. Joe Williams this year. I I I, uh, could, I no, could, I'm not trying to make excuses. I could, ar- I could argue, but that, that Joe Williams had a better senior year than Booker did. I'm I'm not going to disagree with you, but I'm saying that's what when people don't like this change, that's what they're going to throw out. Sure. That, yeah, you're going to have red zone issues. You have a brand new quarterback. You have a brand new running back. But but that's where a coach comes in, and this is what I love about what Troy Taylor has already said. You have got to adapt your offense to the talent that you have, and A-Rod never did this year. Let's be honest. Troy is a good thrower of the football. He cannot play. He cannot run the read option. He cannot run the option, and he... And his average is scrambling. And he sprained his MCL, and yet how many quarterback draws did we have throughout this entire year? If if you've got a quarterback whose strength is not to run and it is through the pass, well, you better design an offense that's going to focus on the pass and stop putting him in positions where he can't succeed. And at times, Troy showed what he was capable of. If you look at the very the last, uh, the fourth quarter of the USC game, he had two spectacular drives to win that game. Oh, he, phenomenal. It, I mean, but, that's going but, down as one of the greatest Utah fourth quarter winning drives. But but where did it go? We never oh, yeah. saw it again after that. It died. Well, you look at the same thing last year. Travis Wilson, 
and, and the offense at Oregon. Go up to Oregon and you drop 62 or 4 point, whatever it was, points. They were money offensively in that game, and we never saw it again. Well, and that's the inconsistencies, the the depth of what we were doing offensively is why we saw a change. And we didn't just see a change. We saw a change quickly. I think that's the biggest surprising because if you remember uh, when Dave Christensen was let go, it wasn't until after signing day. Yeah, most of them. Brian Johnson was not named OC until after signing day or maybe the week of signing day. So... I was typically been very slow on these hires, but I think it's pretty obvious he had his eye on Troy Taylor. And he probably didn't want to get him, get somebody else to snatch him up for quite some time. And, you know, two years of his struggling offense, I think, made that decision pretty easy that he needed to pull the trigger. And yeah, there's probably other teams getting involved and, you know, could potentially lose him. So he made the decision quick to, to not renew. The contract of A-Rod and find his guy and bring him in. So right there, that tells you, that that should tell everybody, including the critical media, he is making the changes necessary. Because this isn't just his, he he didn't hire his buddy again. He just didn't promote from within. He went out and found a guy. The national media is loving to hire. They don't have enough good things to say about it. I read a newspaper this afternoon out of Sacramento. They're raving about this hire for Utah. But yet, Salt Lake City. But yet, I guess it's just easy to be lazy and (laughs) just want to complain when you don't follow a team and you don't cover a team very often. Well, and, you know, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, was, you know, this theory that's out there that Whittingham just sits on all of his coordinators and does not allow them to do their jobs. He overrules them, hinders what they really want to go out and accomplish. You know, this morning, Norm Chauzon said the complete opposite. The Whittingham gave him full full control of the offense, never bothered him. Um, I've heard directly from a coach's mouth who's on the staff that Whittingham wants to score 40 a game and gives the offense the ability to do so and the leeway to do so. So this, this theory that's out there that Whittingham is the problem, sure, he has not had success hiring OCs. He can improve upon that. But this idea that he is the reason for the lack of success is bogus. Scott, I, I love that you bring that up. Troy Taylor was on 700 this afternoon with Bill Riley. And this is his thoughts about kind of the control that he's going to have with the offense. Yeah, he was great. And that was one of the things that was most exciting for me is, you know, he said, oh, I'll have complete autonomy to come in and, and do what I do, run my system and, you know, my roles to, to score points. So he's been great about that. He's going to give me freedom to, to do what I know. And that's the only way I have a chance to be successful is to, to do the stuff that I've been studying, developing over a period of time and, and kind of be me. And, uh, they got some great offensive coaches that are, that are still there and incredible staff all the way around. And I'm excited to work with them and, and, and bring the style that, uh, you know, I've been kind of evolving and, uh, bringing about for the last 15 years or so. That doesn't sound like a coach that's willing to come in and let the head coach dictate what he's going to do with his offense. Now, it seems pretty clear. And, you know, <clears throat> I think for a lot of people, it's just going to take them seeing it with their own eyes before they'll believe it. And, you know, 
whatever, that's fine. But uh, I think uh, I think this is going to be an exciting change for Utah. What he's able to do. I mean, looking at last year, granted this is Eastern Washington, but uh, you know they did average over 400 yards passing last year. Um, they also uh, they scored 81 percent of their trips inside the red zone, with 71.4 percent of those being touchdowns. How would it be? We would have got undefeated this year with that with those stats. We would have been playing yesterday in the Rose Bowl, probably. I mean, granted, just you know, he's got to come in and he's got to do it. Um, I, you know, I I did see, I did see uh, some people bring up the argument. I mean, you look at TCU and Gary Patterson in the Mountain West. He was known for his defense. You know, they had good offenses, but they were known first and foremost for their defense. And he's completely abandoned their defense to go out and score points. And this year they ended up, I believe, with uh, six wins, if I'm not mistaken. You know, and uh, they've been kind of struggling a little bit. You know, but there's this there's this thought out there amongst Ute fans that if if we become good offensively, the defense is screwed. Yeah, I don't I don't get that philosophy. I've seen that too. I I don't understand how. The th- it's like we're, it's like the we're afraid of success. Yeah, but I don't understand the thought process that if you're good at one aspect of the game, you you're poor in another aspect of the game. I mean, look at Urban Meyer in 2004. Look at Urban Meyer's track record wherever he's gone. You other know, than the other night against Clemson, yeah, that was that was really <laughs> bad. But I mean, you can you can be aggressive scoring the ball and still allow your defense to be successful. You know, I, I I don't think Troy Taylor's not going to come in here and throw the ball sixty times a game. That's not his no, mo. It, it's not going to be a Washington and, State offense. No. And it, yeah, it's not. That, and it's not Oregon where it's completely up tempo. At least what I what I've heard and read so far, he's not kind of an up tempo, constantly go 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 go. And you, you're putting the defense right back on the field because you score so quickly. I don't I don't see that happen. No, I mean, but you even look at Oregon's offense when they were really cruising under. Uh, Chip, Chip, Chip Kelly. Kelly, they had a great running game. Sure, they threw the ball, and they're kind of known for what they were able to do through the air and their up-tempo, but they ran all over people, and they ran between the tackles all over people. So just because it's a spread does not mean we're going to abandon the run. We have, With what Harding is doing with the offensive line, the recruiting that he's doing, and Witt is still going to want to be able to control clock and... Uh, um, you know, so we're not going to abandon the running game, but I think it's just—it's simply just going to be a change in culture to develop more than three route trees for these wide receivers to run. I mean, he talked about in his offense all of the crossing routes, shallow, deep. Um, you know, he, he specifically at, at Eastern Washington has utilized small, quick running backs in the passing game. I mean, look at. We completely did not even utilize McCormick this year. Mm-hmm. Partly, you know, he got injured and that, that slowed things down. But you, you look at McCormick, could fit so well into that position. And then next year, you got Covey coming back. What, you know, the wideouts we've got in the program that are c- currently going to be coming into the program. This is, this is going to be, this is going to end very well for Utah. Let's, Cam, if you can pull it up, I think that during the Bill Riley interview earlier today, he talks about his his uh, philosophy when it comes to running and passing. Let's listen to what he says. Well, you know, as you as you get in, uh, involved with the offense and you see what the strengths are, 
um, you know, that can change. You know, you know, I have, I have traditionally been kind of a 60 40 pass to run guy, but, you know, whatever it takes for us to score as many points as we possibly can or win the football game, I'm up for. So if we can, you know, rush for 500 yards a game and, 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 and win, then I'm up for doing that. If we need to throw it a few more times, then I'm up for that too. So part of that is feel for the game, feel for your team. Um, and that can change from game to game, but, uh, I've always believed that the best way to attack a field is to be able to spread the field out, uh, with formations and your skill guys, uh, and try not to confine the box. And, uh, and if you're able to throw it effectively, I think it opens up things for you in the running game. But, uh, you know, for me, it's all about scoring as many points as possible. So I know that we, he hasn't coached a game yet. Heck, he's not even in Salt Lake yet while we're recording this. He's not coming until later on this week. But for me, hearing that is just a breath of fresh air as a Utah fan. Well, he's won the press conference, and he hasn't even had it yet. Exactly. So did Boylan, though. <laughs> We're getting better <laughs> offensively. It, it's true. I, on, like again, he hasn't he hasn't done anything yet. He still has to prove it. But as a Utah fan, these are the things that I've wanted an OC to say for years. It is. It's refreshing to have him. He he's very. He's obviously very confident about his abilities to call an offensive game and to develop quarterbacks. And I think that we've talked about this for as long as we've done this podcast. That that's what one of the main things that Utah's been lacking is the ability to develop a quarterback into a real threat on the on the on the field. And I don't want this, you know, just to be completely ripping on a Rod because like what we've said. He's done a lot for this program. He was a great recruiter. Next to Erickson, he's probably and Harding, he's one of the best ones we've had on especially on the offensive side of the ball. But for me, we're privileged to have access to coaches and players through interviews. And when we've interviewed coach Roderick, it's very vanilla like his offense. You will ask him about the offense. Not his hair, though. <laughs> and all he wants to say is, it's the Utah offense. We're, we're not changing anything. It's the Utah offense. It's not my offense. It's the Utah offense. Well, that lacks confidence. It lacks enthusiasm. Exactly. And it shows. And I think that's why, as a Utah fan, I'm excited for this. I'm, I haven't been excited about this excited about the team since before Oregon. I haven't been this excited since the slogan was, buckle up. I thought that it was goes a, way back. <laughs> Do you remember that? And it was McBride was still coach, and the "Don't make us come get you." <laughs> You're right. It was that. It was yeah, "Don't make us come get you." That was the worst thing ever. So it is exciting to really get kind of a big splash as offensive coordinator. Yeah, there's still a lot of questions, but as you said, Scott, he's winning the press conferences, and that's what you need to do when you're coming into a new situation like this. The other open position now is the running back coach with uh, Coach Dennis Erickson retiring. I, that's going to hurt Utah, I think, especially with recruiting in Florida. Uh, hopefully we can keep that pipeline going, that we made some relationship with high school coaches down there. But there is now a position Whittingham needs to hire. Yeah, and, well, there's actually going to be two because come April, the NCAA has added a, an additional uh, um a coach to the to the staff. So come April, we'll actually be able to add a second uh, a second coach. There's names out there. Obviously, Quentin Quinton Ganther, who played here at Utah under Urban, um, and Kyle. 
Um, you know, he's in the running. Was a GA uh, for a couple of years here. I spent this last season up at Weber State. Um, you know, and there's also rumors that uh, possibly Troy Taylor may bring a coach with him from Eastern Washington that knows his system, um, and uh, you know can come in and kind of uh, help install this offense. So, yeah, we'll uh, we'll wait to see what what happens here. But uh, a couple a couple of uh, spots will probably be filled. You know, possibly Pablo Cano, who's a uh, he's on the staff as the director of uh, football operations. Football operations, and you know, Sione Puha, who is a, is a GA at the moment. Um, you know, his name's being thrown around. So, a lot of good options. I, I, I I'm not quite sure exactly what to expect timeline on these, but I, I would suspect we're going to hear about running backs fairly quickly. You know, this hire and the next one that you talked about, Scott, in April, is I don't think Whittingham needs to go out and necessarily grab that big name, that big headline guy. I think he's done that with Coach Taylor. I wouldn't mind having a young coach come in, get his feet wet at this level of football. And honestly, I think I think it helps with the players having a coach a little bit closer in their age. Yeah, I mean, and, and I think, you know, when you're looking at the running back position, I don't know, you know, this is coming from a fan's perspective, but I, I look at it as more as you want somebody who can go recruit. Because the running back position, you know, obviously is it it's an important position. There's technique. There's a lot of a lot of skill that goes into knowing how to pa- uh, how to pick up a blitz, you know, and all the all the technicalities that go with playing the position. But if you're going to go for a, uh, a young coach, you want to get somebody who can go out and recruit, who can help bring in talent. And, uh, you know, I think Troy Taylor's name and kind of what he's able to do in the passing game is really going to help our recruiting offensively, especially at the wideout position. I mean, there's already recruits that have committed to Utah that were ecstatic. Yeah. That were on social media. Saying that this Utah offense is now 100%. It's now lit. Well, I've heard of one also that has reopened his his uh, search. Brian Thompson, four-star out of California, was committed to, to Boise State, yeah, just, but just decommitted. Just he is a California boy, and his dream school is UCLA, and they did just offer. But, uh, you know, he's got good size, good speed. Um, but, yeah, Utah's, Utah's in the... Uh, in the running and you know we've already got some good commitments in this class with some others that are yet to decide so you know there's a lot of exciting things and you know uh, one of our next shows we're going to kind of focus a little bit more on recruiting and uh, some of the names that have are currently committed and uh, um, provide some information on what's uh, what we could expect come signing day but the trajectory for the for the team right now is just nothing but up you know kind of disappointing end of the season but kind of there's now juice back in the program it's honestly like a shot in the arm with this hire i would i would agree this our conversation kind of morphed into the troy taylor talk we started off by talking about the bowl game and but uh um just to kind of my thoughts on the bowl game though you've got to give credit to andy phillips for nailing four field goals well, two, of them, two of them pretty difficult. Because we actually let him kick field goals in this game. <laughs> <laughs> Which is true. But, I mean, without him in that game, we're dead in the water again. Oh, without uh, Joe Williams in that game. Yeah. We're, we're, we're lucky to score in double 
figures. I mean, you look at what Joe Williams did, averaged over 180 yards since he came out of retirement. Without him, how many games do we win? He, he Not, was our oh, offense it would have been yeah, awful. I, second half of the season. If we thought November was bad. <laughs> yeah, well, October would have just been just as bad. I mean, and, and that's, I think, where you fans get excited knowing we've got a guy coming in here that can alleviate these droughts that we go through offensively, you know, because we're not going to have Joe Williams next year. I'm not sure we've got another NFL guy, at least not yet. You know, Moss has potential, but, you know, you watch Moss run the ball and you watch Joe Williams and the bursts and the ability to break tackles, it's not even close to the same level. No, it's not close, but I think Zach Moss wasn't right towards the end of the season either because his he had a better burst early on in the season. He after did. his he injury, he didn't, after he came back from his injury, he wasn't the, sh- the same. No, uh, and we'll, we'll have shine back. But um, so but you know he will be coming off a torn ACL, so you never know go. how that how they'll Still bounce have back too. So that's the thing: was we have talent. I I hope that they don't go to waste like they have the last couple years. Because honestly, a lot of guys on these on this team did not get the ball. The way I think a lot of fans well, wanted Bowie Eye yeah. and Handley. Your boy Harrison Handsome Handley was forgotten. But, I mean, they didn't even throw to the tight ends once in the bowl game. No, and and he he was hardly targeted at all this season. You know, and Bowie Eye had a pretty good year, and uh, but I just which think, is good for him based off of his yeah what he's gone last, through yeah. and two season two season ending injuries the two uh, prior years in game one. But yeah, I you know. What's done is done. You can't go back and change things. And hopefully this will just be a, a new start and an opportunity for really just for guys to come out and showcase what they've got, you know, and, and go and produce. All right. So I think that's, a, you know, a, a great discussion, a great breakdown, kind of our thoughts and feelings um, on this program as fans uh, as it moves forward into the off offseason. Uh, before we kind of break down a little bit of basketball, uh, we first want to give a shout-out to one of our sponsors. Uh, we're brought to you by Farmers Insurance for protecting your home, vehicle, family. Look to Farmers Insurance. Call Scott Omer at 801-307-4046. So Utah basketball, they play their first Pac-12 game of the season and blow out, I think, a pretty decent Colorado team, a Colorado team that beat Xavier. 10-3 oh, going into the game. But they looked pretty good, and I really, I really like the addition of of Colette and Bearfield. They make a huge difference. It was nice. It was great to get Kuzma back from his ankle injury because they didn't look that great in the tournament in Hawaii either without Kuzma. Yeah, I mean uh, Bearfield and Colette. What they've uh, since they've come on board, uh, you know, completely changed the the look and the dynamic of the team and. You know, we're we're looking a lot better than I, quite frankly, uh, anticipated this season. I got so got some pretty good depth. Some uh, some shooters are starting to evolve. Um, what 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 really stands out to me is just how quick we are in transition. We push the ball. We're being a lot more aggressive, um, and we've got so much speed in the backcourt that they can get the ball up quickly. And even on made baskets, they're turning. Uh, you know, taking the ball out of bounds, and they're still turning it into a, into a fast break at times. And so I I I like what I'm seeing. That win over Colorado is the best best win that Utah has on the season. Oh, without a doubt. What I 
and like I said, I haven't watched that many games, so I don't have a lot to compare it to. Uh, but what I've noticed, especially watching Colette, it seems like they're running some of the offense through him with post-ups and letting him do some work underneath the, in the paint to get into the basket. So I think you bring up a good point with Colette and this team. Is I think a lot of times when we had Pirtle and we had Bright is a lot of times the offense stopped and everyone just watched them. And I think now with these guys a little bit more mature, uh, systems a little bit better in place, it seems like they're playing a lot better around each other than in years past. Well, and I think to Ryan's point is, you know, as good as we were the last couple of years, we did not have guys that could feed the post. We were horrible feeding the post. And this year, we've got guys that can do it. And and so you're seeing it, you're seeing it a lot more, and they're getting the ball in better position. They're getting the ball. We're going being able to pass over the top, whereas Leverage just threw it off the backboard last year. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so we're still young. We've still you know we're going to have some growing pains, especially going up against you know what's what's coming with Arizona, Oregon, UCLA. But I really like I really like what uh, what Larry's doing, and he's doing this. He still has not Without rounded. A suit. Well, yeah, that's, I'm, an, I'm that's another it. that's another topic. I'm but digging it. He, we haven't. What I don't understand. Well, you know, it's a, a topic for another day. But he still has not landed that elite recruit. I mean, he he kind of got lucky with Pirtle. He got lucky with Delon, and he and he's gone after some big name guys and has not been able to land it. But even with that being said, he's still producing good teams. So if he can start landing some of these big guys and you add it to what we already have and how in his system and coaching ability, program's in great hands. And I have to give a shout-out. If you go to our website, utahmanpodcast.com, we have a Pac-12 power poll uh, of the rankings from all the teams in the league, uh, voters from all over the league that vote on it, and... Right now, Oregon's the number one team in our ranking uh, after, you know, they beat UCLA and USC, both undefeated. Uh, Oregon's playing great. Dang you, Oregon. So I'm I'm excited for conference play. Uh, I think, to me, this is really when college basketball takes the stage kind of up front. Football's now over. Um, so I'm excited for the for basketball season to really start going now, and, and conference play I think is going to be great, uh, and I, I expect Utah to really compete. All right, so I think we're going to call it a night. It's been great. Ooh, to re- the fans <laughs> the fans are upset. <laughs> they been- are they are rioting here in the atrium of the Double Tree. Calm down. <laughs> Calm down. It's been mm. it's been great recording here. I just got at- hit with a battery. <laughs> It's been great recording here at our, our great sponsor, Double Tree Mrs. Suites. Mrs. Put your Hilton. shirt back on. Ryan, where can people find you on Twitter? At Drum and Feather. That's Drum, the letter N, Feather. And Scott? Uh, you can find me at Uteman underscore forever. And before we go, because I'm, I'm actually going to get a room here tonight, so I'm going up the elevator. But before we go, I got to get Wait a second. Wait a second. You're just telling us now? Where's our rooms? That's how I roll. I got to give a big shout out. I went to the Moran Eye Center. Dr. Petty is a big time listener 
just recognized me from my voice and by my name. So huge shout out. Thanks for the support. Until next time, go Utes. Go Utes. Go Utes. We're good. Let's cut it. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are their own and are no way affiliated with the University of Utah. See, it is short. (laughs) Cam, can I get you a phone book? (laughs) Can you see over the steering wheel now? (laughs) (laughs) Did you know? (laughs) Can I get a booster seat, please? When I I fly, I fly with a booster seat. Two adults, one child. (laughs) (laughs) You do. Would you fly in the the pilot? Yeah. Really? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I don't even uh, think in airplane... Kareem Abdul-Jabbar could see out of those windows. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, you, we're going to no, go off subject here for a minute. As a pilot, are those windows meant for you to actually see out? <laughs> yes and no. Yeah. Not that I've flown as a pilot. approach. <laughs> but seriously, they're like, their eyes seem to like maybe get the low end of the windshield. And then... When they're tilted back, good luck. Isn't it more it's for all distance? And, I mean, like seeing way out in the distance rather than seeing seeing what's the, right in front the of weather. You. Yeah, yeah. Well, they yeah they use all like instruments to fly. Well, and I know you, that. And then, <laughs> haven't you seen the airplane? <laughs> I, I just I just thought when they couldn't see, they just inflated the autopilot, <laughs> and he just popped up. Oh, sorry to interrupt. <laughs> Just want you to know, Troy Taylor, we're all counting on you. And did before, you have to si- did you have to sit on a booster to s- look in the little eye machine? <laughs>